0: So today's episode 174 of the jimmystable.com podcast, and I'm going to talk about the church that eats together. Before I get into today's podcast, I just wanted to wish everybody a late happy Thanksgiving. Uh, I know it's been a couple of weeks since I've uh, made a podcast. I've not made one since uh, the week of Thanksgiving, because I've been busy doing family stuff and eating and hanging out with my family, and then I came back and... uh, Then I got involved in my hockey league a little bit, and playing some hockey, and some stuff at church, and, well, you know how the holiday season is, and so it's been a busy couple weeks, and unfortunately, I've just not been able to take the time to record a podcast, Uh, so I'm getting that to it a little late, but interestingly enough, in my absence, uh, my podcast ratings were higher than ever, even though I haven't published any new content in two weeks. I, I don't know what that tells me, <laughs> other than maybe people want to hear me more when I talk less. But then, how do I do that with new content? I have no idea. That's it's a really weird paradox. I don't know. It seems like a a scratch. I need to itch, but I don't know how to go about doing it. Uh, but in the meanwhile, in the in the past couple of weeks, uh, this podcast recently. Uh, surpassed 12,000 downloads. So... A little milestone. Thank you to all who are listening. I do appreciate you taking the time to uh, pull up a chair, sit down, and have a conversation uh, with me. It's... Uh, It blesses me that anybody would even bother to listen to me in this podcast. Um, But hey, if you're enjoying the show while you're at it, go ahead over to Apple and Spotify and all the places that you can leave reviews of the Jimmy's Table.com podcast and uh, leave your glowing five-star review and say, we want more Jimmy. So, (laughs) without further ado, let's go ahead and get in today's episode. So, it says in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, that they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. And this verse is inspiring today's podcast, The Church That Eats Together. And that kind of got me to thinking, because it's something that's kind of been a a major theme in my own personal life and something that I've tried to practice over the years and something that I've hoped to try to incorporate and and at least give a, a sense of, uh, in this podcast from the very beginning, is the importance that we should have, especially as Christians, of actually taking time to sit down and eat a common meal together. And really this is kind of the idea that's baked in, no pun intended, but of course you should intend all your puns, so what the heck. It's baked into this idea of... Uh, breaking bread together. Um, and it's it's kind of hard to divorce, biblically speaking, the idea of fellowship apart from actually sitting down and having a common meal together. Yet, I would dare say that, especially in the evangelical world in which I live in, that the idea of having a common meal together on a regular basis with another group of believers is... Perhaps something that, well, you just don't see a lot of because, you know, a lot of our, a lot of our Christianity, especially being Protestant um, as we are, centers around gathering together at church to get in pews. And while we're sitting there in pews, we look at the people preaching the word and performing song up on stage. And we punch a religious clock, and we're excited over the sermon that we hear, and we're excited over the song selection and the giving of an offering, and and we do all those things, and we think and feel like we've, quote-unquote, had church. But I can't help but wonder if perhaps that entire concept of having church and it being tethered to preachers, pews, and people in them if that's really the basis of what Christianity is supposed to be about. And yet it is it is where most of us, if we were to think church and we would think Jesus and we, Christianity and the Bible and all those sort of things, we can't help but instantly get this picture in our mind of people with butts in pews looking at preachers pulpits, um, and pulpits uh, and, you know, that sort of thing. That kind of is where our mind goes. But when we read the book of Acts, as as important as preaching is, and it talks about they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, but it also says, and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. It was kind of all something that all went together in one giant swirl, in one giant thing, yet we've broken it up into if you could look at modern-day Christianity and the evangelical and Protestant circles, to just devoting ourselves to the apostles' teachings and talking about those things. But the idea of fellowship and breaking of bread and praying together and having this sort of continuum of, of life together is kind of uh, something that we think we can kind of do without. And yet, the early Christians we read about in the Bible, it was something that, that was the basis of their faith, their sense of community, and their identity as Christians was that of not only devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, but to the fellowship and breaking of bread and to prayer. But that doesn't really kind of fit our American lifestyle, where we'd like to be able to go punch the religious clock so that we can watch the preacher and the group of performers on stage at the podium and then on the platform Um, You know, all while sitting in our pews and looking at the back of each other's heads. And we like that version of Christianity because it's convenient. It's something that we can easily do on an hour or maybe two on a Sunday morning before we go about the rest of our day entirely divorced from everything else that just went on. And you know, we sit there and, and we will judge a church Based off how well it performs in the pulpit on Sunday mornings, how loudly the preacher bangs on the pulpit, uh, how lo- how great the song selection is, what sort of atmosphere or, and and whether or not we got our seat in our pew in our favorite part of the church so that we can enjoy the service as as we ought. Um, you know one of the one of the local churches here, And Charlotte, that is, uh, well, it's a little bigger than a local church. They're a multi-site church in multi-cities. Uh, and that sort of thing, but they talk about how they have this worship experience, and they talk about how they have the best worship experience in all of Charlotte and all the area. And they and they really do put on quite an amazing show, and they go through a lot of great theatrics. And the preacher is a very talented individual. And oh my goodness, the the music that they produce is some of the best music you'll hear. It, it wins awards, and and other churches pay to to play their music in their services as well, and. It's a really big deal and, and it's a great production. But that performance and that production and all that goes into the Sunday morning worship experience is entirely divorced from the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. Yet, for many of us, that's what Christianity is increasingly becoming a performance that we go watch others put on for our religious amusements. Or religious sensibilities. But you know, if you really want to have a religious experience, I would encourage you to do this. Don't go to some revival service or some great morning Sunday morning performance, some Sunday morning worship experience. If you want to have a real religious experience, don't go to that stuff. Don't go to the thing that features the sweaty, heavy-handed, anointed preacher that is rocking some super worship band in the background while he preaches. Rather, if you want the real religious experience, sit across from a table and break bread with another person and share a common meal. Because I promise that you'll get more of Jesus and the sitting down at a table with another human being and sharing a common meal together, you'll find more of Jesus in that than anything that happens from behind a pulpit. And don't get me wrong, the pulpit stuff is good. I enjoy the pulpit stuff. I support the the pulpit stuff. It has its place in the life of the church. But you know, we are a church that is absolutely full to the brim with performance and stuff that happens in pulpits. And we are a church that lacks the coming together of believers for a common meal. And by common meal, you might sit there and think, Oh, well, my church, we celebrate uh, the Lord's Supper every week and and have communion or, or Eucharist or whatever your particular tradition wants to call it. But when I'm talking about a common meal here, I'm not talking about the the, the crackers and a sip of wine or juice that they serve you at some sort of ceremony in church, whose table is barely big enough to do anything more than hold a lunchable-sized snack packed version of Jesus. You know, and at the end of the day, I as as you know, I understand the religious ceremony aspect of. It, I understand the efficiency of it. Uh, and all that sort of stuff, and so I don't mind it to some degree. But you know, when I thought about it more and more, the lunchable snack pack-sized version of Jesus that they serve you at a lot of churches is something of a parody of the actual breaking of bread and sharing of a table that we're supposed to have in taking the Lord's Supper together. What we read about in Acts 2.42 is not... The table that uh, a lot of, especially high liturgical churches, preach on a regular basis. I kind of roll my eyes um, at some of these churches when they make a big deal about the tiny little foldable table that they have at the front of, in front of a pulpit area, uh, in which they, you know, serve you uh, a, a snack pack size lunchable version of Jesus. And I don't say that to slander you guys. Oh my goodness, please, please don't go there with me. I'm just, I'm I'm speaking very hyperbolically for a reason. Um, And that is to ultimately contrast what we've reduced the Lord's Supper to from what it should be. And I named this podcast Jimmy's Table. You know, Not because it's a food podcast, although sometimes I have talked about food and it used to be kind of a tagline thing that I uh, tried to incorporate every occasion, uh, every now and then into the podcast. But the idea of Jimmy's Table uh, wasn't to make it a food blog or food podcast, although, you know, like I said, I've I've talked about it some. Um, But the idea of Jimmy's Table is this idea of kind of born out of acts. 242, and, and actually, the, the ministry of Jesus, in which we saw that the ministry of Jesus, yeah, he had times where he preached to the multitudes on the sides of mountains and, and, and other open air facilities and places like that. But you know, the most of the ministry of Jesus was centered around simply having something to eat with another group of people. And I think if the church is to be the church and who God has called us to be as a community, we should see that, yes, as great as the Sunday morning show can be, as great as it can be to have a place for, you know, expository preaching and, and, and things of that nature, uh, where we dedicate ourselves to the apostles' teachings, as, as we should, um, at the end of the day, it's not the end-all be-all of, of Christianity. And I kind of shudder to think that we've reduced everything in Christianity to the performance of what happens in a pulpit or at a table, you know, on top of some sort of platform for everybody to gawk at. Jimmy's table is borrowing the concept of Acts 2.42 that when God wants to change the world, he doesn't do so through a clenched fist or angry and loud people. Rather, he does so by setting a table for a community to gather around and to share a common meal together. If you want to change the world and make it a better place and you want to advance the kingdom of God, you know what the way to do that is? Not to build bigger auditoriums for us to pack 5,000 people in so they, they can listen to some you know, hot and heavy preacher sweat all over a pulpit somewhere as he, you know, waxes eloquently about what the Bible has to say. But rather, if you want to change the world, make it a better place, and expand the kingdom of God, do it by setting out a couple extra chairs at your kitchen table every now and then. Do it by learning to cook a couple simple or delicious recipes, and simply inviting people over to eat. And if, you, and if you can't do that for whatever reason, let's say you're a really bad cook, which, you know, I don't think there really is such a thing as a bad cook. There are just people who haven't learned to cook. You can, and anybody can learn to cook chicken. Anybody can learn to roast some veggies. It's not rocket science. It's just called being an adult, <laughs> you know. Um, but let's say, imagine for whatever reason you have this inability to cook and you just can't do it and you just burn everything. Well, if you're the person who burns everything, please don't invite me over to your table to eat. (laughs) Because I won't be coming back often. But you know what you can do? You can install this little app they call DoorDash on your your cell phone. And uh, you can identify two or three places that you really enjoy eating from. And you can have those places delivered to your front door. And then you can invite people over for the fellowship of breaking of bread and prayer. So if you want to change the world, don't do it by building a bigger platform. Do it by building a bigger table. Don't simply be a loud voice who pounds on a pulpit or speaks into a microphone. Rather, be one who can serve and make other people want to be a part of what it is that you're doing invite people to come eat with you that you're close to. And if you really want to be like Jesus, invite a few people who it's, you know, maybe a little scandalous for you to invite over to eat with. Cuz if you read the gospels, you'll find a lot of the controversy in the gospel is often centered around not necessarily what Jesus was saying, although Jesus said some pretty controversial things, or or what Jesus was necessarily doing in his miracles and stuff, although Jesus performed some controversial miracles like healing on the Sabbath and whatnot. But one of the most controversial aspects of the ministry of Jesus was that there are some people that he would go have dinner with, that people were like, you know, you're not supposed to eat with such people. So, whoever it is in your life, whether it's just somebody that's somebody just doesn't like a lot of, or somebody that's a little lonely, or somebody that's a little out of an outcast socially, or somebody that's you know out on the margins, or somebody that you just see that just doesn't seem like they have a strong network of friends and family for whatever reason, you know, when you invite, when you when you cook dinner. Invite a few people over who might otherwise not get an invite into some of the circles that you run in. You know, invite some people who are scandalous over for dinner. You know, invite people that make other people question whether they should get the HOA <laughs> to, you know, maybe intervene in some of your uh dinners. <laughs> And say, hey, you know, he's bringing around some of the wrong people to this neighborhood to his house to eat. You know? Invite some people that, you know, others say, should they even be here? Because we don't really like them. Because in doing that, you're practicing Acts 2.42. In doing that, you're engaging in a deeply religious experience. You know, over the years I, I've especially if you're friends with me on Facebook, and you you'll see it on Twitter as well. You know, I war- and I warned it in a tagline, like likes to take pictures and post pictures of food. And you'll regularly see me do that. At least maybe twice a week, I'll I'll take a picture of whatever I'm cooking and I'll put it on Facebook. And and you know, some people might think that I do that out of some sense of vanity and I'm not gonna lie, that probably happens some um, because I do consider myself a pretty good cook and I like to take pictures of my food to demonstrate those artistic skills uh, that I have. And, uh, you know, maybe in hopes that people will notice and be like, hey, that looks really good. And, you know, give me some sort of vain like. Uh, but I, I don't really do it for the vanity. It's actually been kind of strategic on my part over the years. The, the little secret is that I take pictures of my food and put it on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all those sort of places. Um, not so people can be like, oh man, look at what Jimmy's eating. Oh man, uh, isn't Jimmy a lucky guy? But you know, I do that in hopes that I can inc- like kind of whet the appetites of people. So I can encourage them to join me one day in what I'm in doing. So that one day when they get a dinner invite from Jimmy, if you know me long enough and you live in close proximity with me, you're probably going to get that invite eventually, or every now and then at least. And you might even become a regular. You'll especially become a regular if you really like my food. Uh, if you really like my food, I'm going to like serving it to you. <laughs> Not going to lie, I'm not going to, if you're a fussy eater, you're probably not going to get a lot of invites because there's only so much kale and spinach that I can make. (laughs) Um, You know, but I, I make those things in hopes that I can encourage people to get a little bit of a salivation going on in their mouth. To say, man, that looks good, I'd like to eat that. And that their, I'd like to eat that leads to, I'd like to eat that with Jimmy. And then using that as an opportunity to allow people to participate in my life and hopefully in participating in my life to ultimately share something of my faith so that I can give them a slice of my love and maybe ultimately a side of something yummy to eat. Because at the end of the day, Jimmy's table, what Jimmy Humphrey embodies you know, as my own personal theology and ministry and what I'm all about. I want to change the world through a table and to fill it with people that I've ultimately come to love. And I think if we are to be Christians as we ought to be and and we think of Acts 2.42 as something important, to what it means to be a Christian, to to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Well, you know, we're going to need to have some fellowship while breaking bread and taking opportunity to pray. We can't just look at the back of each other's heads in the pews. We need to get out there into the world and into each other's living rooms, and into each other's kitchens, and into each other's pantries, to sit down and to share something of Jesus in a very tangible expression as the ultimate form of worship in which we provide the community around us a religious experience in the sharing of a table and the eating of the food. And then if you're a really good cook, and I think I'm a really good cook, that will be a deeply, (laughs) deeply religious experience. Uh, But, you know, if you're not a great cook, you know, DoorDash isn't a bad plan B at the end of the day. So in closing, I'd just like to say it's great for churches to be known for their awesome worship experience and their preaching from a pulpit. But I think it's just as important for a church to be as known for their potlucks as it is their preaching. And that's ultimately what I'm getting at here today, and that's ultimately the theology that's behind Jimmy'sTable.com. Hope I've given you something to think about today. So everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, Jimmy'sTable.com, episode 174. The Church That Eats together. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast, especially, you know, as it is just coming after Thanksgiving and heading into Christmas, a time of year in which we get to do a lot of eating and I've done my share of eating. I'm sure you have too. But I hope in all your eating, hope in all your dining that you sit there and think, you know, I'm not just going to invite the people that I really super tight with, the blood relative types or the girlfriends, or the boyfriends. I'm not just going to invite those people over to eat. But I'm going to use my table as an opportunity to set out an extra chair or two, to invite somebody over that's never been over, so I can share my life, my love, my faith, my hope, and something of the gospel in that process. So everybody, again, Jimmy Humphrey, JimmyStable.com, where I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. If you've enjoyed this podcast, email me, Jimmy at JimmyStable.com. And like I said at the beginning of the show, if you haven't had a chance to leave a glowing five-star review yet, go over to Apple and Spotify and and wherever else you can leave your glowing five-star review uh, and leave that glowing five-star review and sit there and say, you know, I'd like to pull up a chair and invite somebody else to do so as well. To to come to Jimmy's Table, have something good to eat. Everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, Jimmy's Table.com. Take care, God bless, and have a good one. That's all I have to say about that. That's the right on, man. You said it all.